نحبه ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله verily the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there's no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there's no one that can guide him i bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger uh we'd like to continue this evening in our series uh lecture number 11 from the sharh taythir al-allam the sharh of umdat al-ahkam by sheikh abdullah ibn abdurrahman ibn salih al-bassam hafizahullah uh in this chapter this evening we are going to discuss two hadith and the hadith concerning this chapter it is bab al istisqa bab al istisqa it is the salat and supplication related to seeking or requesting or asking for rain the hadith concerning this particular prayer salat al istisqa are many in bukhari alone in the sahih al bukhari there are 35 hadith 35 hadith in the second volume of bukhari hadith number 1000 uh, 5 to 1039 all of those hadith are related to directly or indirectly the subject of al istisqa but because the book that we are studying umdat al ahkam is merely a mukhtasar or summary of the hadith related to the ahkam or the rules or laws then the imam the author al imam abdul ghani rahimahullah only mentioned in this chapter two hadith only two in any case it begins or we begin this chapter al istisqa with the introduction from Sheikh Abdullah Ali Bassam hafizahullah may Allah protect and preserve him in which he mentions first that the linguistic meaning of istisqa it means to seek rain to request or to ask for rain for oneself or for others istisqa linguistically it means to seek or to request or to ask for rain for yourself or for others shar'an the legal meaning of istisqa it means seeking of rain from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the time of drought and that request or seeking of rain at the time of drought is done in a particular or specific manner and that manner and its details will be discussed during the explanation of the two hadith which the sheikh or which the imam abdul ghani mentions in this chapter 
يعني legally شرعاً in the Sharia the meaning of istisqa it means to seek rain from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the time of drought famine or barrenness rainlessness of the land and that request it is done in a specific particular manner Salatul istisqa the Sheikh says is one of those prayers which have a particular reason. It is of those prayers that is performed when the reason for it is present. Yani, when there is a drought or lack of rain, this is the cause or the reason for the performance of Salatul Istisqa. If there is no drought, then we don't perform it. It is not a prayer that is performed weekly or monthly or daily or yearly. Only when the need for it comes, then it is performed. And the need is the absence of rain. Yani it is similar to Salatul Qusuf. It has a cause or a reason. When there is an eclipse, then we perform it. In the absence of eclipse, there is no need to perform it. And likewise, Salatul Janazah, it is not performed weekly or monthly. Although we find some people doing it, in some of the messages you find that after every Jummah prayer, that some people, group of people gather together and perform Salatul Janazah. When I saw this being repeated weekly, once I asked, what are they doing? And I was told that they are praying for the people who died since last week. For the Muslims anywhere who died, they are making janazah, Salatul Janazah for them. This is not legislated. They, they, are, they think that Salatul Ghaib, yani Salatul Janazah, performing the prayer of janazah for someone who died, who is absent from us, that it should be done for anyone who dies and we are not able to attend there. Janazah. Then we pray for them. So every week on Friday, these people get together and they make Salatul Janazah, a general Salatul Janazah for all the people who died since last week. This is an innovation that has no basis in the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In any case, Salatul Janazah, like Salatul Qusuf, the eclipse prayer, and like Salatul Istisqa, the rain prayer, they are performed when the cause or the reason for them is present. That is the time when that prayer is performed. The reason or the cause for Salatul Istisqa, it is when the people have a complaint due to famine, due to famine in the land. And that famine, it may be caused by rainlessness, by the absence of rain, or it may be caused by the drying up of the wells, or it may be caused by the drying up of the rivers. And that, these causes are what lead to famine. When any of these causes are present and famine is in the land, then it is a reason to perform Salat al-Istisqa, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us rain, to water the land and water the cattle and to provide water for the people. In the first hadith, from our book Umdat al-Ahkam is hadith number 147. This hadith is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Asim al-Mazini radiyallahu anhu qal kharaja al-Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam yastasqi. Abdullah ibn Asim al-Mazini radiallahu anhu said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went out 
يعني went out from the city outside of the city uh, to make or to seek rain to perform istisqa fatawajjaha ila al-qibla yad'u he turned his face towards the qibla the direction of prayer towards mecca and he began to supplicate or call on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa hawwala rida'ahu then he turned around his cloak or his overgarment he turned it around opposite inside out or from the right to the left he turned it from its normal direction and wore it in the opposite way hawwala rida'ahu thumma salla raka'ataini then he performed two raka'a of prayer two raka'a of prayer jahara fihima bil qira'ati and he was reciting the quran in those two raka'a out loud two raka'a of prayer and the recitation in that prayer is out loud and in one of the narrations ata al musalla yani that he came to the musalla the musalla means the place where the muslims perform prayer outside of the city yani not in the masjid the musalla means the place of prayer that's outside the prayer grounds outside of the city he said he went to that place outside of the city to perform salat al istisqa here the sheikh sheikh abdullah hafizullah says that the general meaning of this hadith is that when the land had dried up in the lifetime of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he went out of the city to the desert to seek rain from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he turned his face towards the qibla and this is because facing the qibla is one of the causes or the reasons for which dua would be accepted yani the means or the ways for one's dua to be accepted are many from amongst them is that the person who wants to supplicate they should turn towards the qibla then he began to supplicate to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give rain or to send down rain to the muslims and to remove that hardship that had befallen them the drought in the land and the famine in line with this hoping for a response from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam expecting the condition to change yani from drought to rain from the barrenness of the land to fertilizing the land from difficulty and hardship scarcity to plenty affluence and wealth hoping for this to to change the condition to change from a worse condition to a better condition the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam symbolized that by turning his rida his upper garment by turning it around turning it inside out or turning the back to the front or the right to the left as it is actually mentioned in some of the narrations from Abu Bakr Siddiq that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam turned the right side to the left side yani like if you have a jacket or sweater or something and you normally put it on this way you may turn it inside out or you may put the right side on the left side and the left side on the right side he turned his garment around then he performed the salat al-istisqa as two raka'a reciting from the quran in that prayer out loud since it is one of those prayers that are performed in congregation then he recited it out loud walikum assalam kadkad sheikh the sheikh says from this hadith from this hadith 
There are a number of ahkam, rulings or laws that are derived. Although the hadith is very short, but the meaning of it is comprehensive and the rules or laws that are derived from it are also many. The first law or rule or principle derived from this hadith is that in Islam, in the Sharia, it is legislated that the Muslims at the time of drought or rainlessness, it is legislated that the Muslims should perform Salat al-Istisqa. And it is legislated in Islam. It is part of the Islamic Sharia. The scholars have reached consensus, consensus or ijma' that this prayer, Salat al-Istisqa, is mustahab. It is commendable. It is recommended. It is loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is a recommended, commendable act. Except, the exception to that consensus of the scholars is the opinion of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, who held that al-istisqa, in it, it is legislated simply to supplicate to Allah, not to perform two rak'ah prayer. Yani the opinion of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, is that istisqa consists of supplication only, supplication. And even his two students, Al-Imam Abu Yusuf and Muhammad, rahimahumullah, both of them differed with Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, both of them differed with him concerning this point, and they agreed with the rest of the scholars who said that istisqa, uh, it also includes the performance of turaqah of prayer. The second ruling is concerning the khutbah, that it is legislated to have a khutbah, yani a speech or a talk, the imam should give a khutbah which entails mentioning of those things which are appropriate or suitable for the occasion, for the people that he is speaking to, the time that he is in and the circumstances of the people that he is addressing. In that khutbah, he should mention those things that are appropriate to be mentioned uh, and outside of that, Everyone, it should all, all, always be mentioned in the khutbah of Salat al-Istisqa that seeking of forgiveness, calling on Allah, supplicating Him, and turning to Him with our complaint and asking for Him to fulfill our needs. Also, in the khutbah of Salat al-Istisqa, the people should be warned against oppression and wrongdoing and sin, and they should be ordered to make tawbah or repentance. Yani in Salat al-Istisqa, Two of the most important things, or three of the most important things, is that the Imam should remind the people to make istighfar, seeking forgiveness of Allah, asking Allah to forgive us our sins. Because the reason why the rain has been withheld and the drought came upon the people is due to their sin and their disobedience and injustice and oppression and wrongdoing in the land. So Allah punished the people by this in order to bring to their attention so that they may turn back to Him. So it is expected in the khutbah that the imam should remind the people to make istighfar and also to make dua and to warn the people against wrongdoing and remind them or order them to make tawbah, to turn back to Allah in repentance. The third principle or point that is derived from this hadith, it is that the khutbah should be performed before the salat. Actually, the khutbah being performed before the salat is not clearly mentioned in this hadith, but it's mentioned in other hadith, and from amongst those hadith is one of the hadith on the bottom of the handout, the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, which is reported in the Sunan of Abu Dawood, and that hadith is a hasan, or good hadith. In any case, the shaykh says that 
from the rules and laws related to Salat al-Istisqa is that the khutbah should be before the khalat. And it has been mentioned, he said, in a number of hadith, and one of them is the hadith of Aisha reported in the Sunan of Abu Dawood that is included in our handout. Then he says that in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed, it is mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ performed the salat before the khutbah. Yani, that he performed the salat first. Instead of the khutbah first, he performed the salat first before the khutbah. And that this is the madhab or the way or opinion of the jamhur, the majority of scholars. Yani, the opinion of the jamhur of the scholars is that the salat is before the khutbah. And this is specifically the opinion of the scholars of the Shafi'i Madhab and the Hanbali Madhab and others from some of the other Madhabs yani also agreed with this uh, particular opinion. Yani the opinion of the Salat before the Khutbah. In any case, the Shaykh is saying here that the preferable opinion with him is the Khutbah is before the Salat and it has been mentioned specifically in some of the narrations of Hadith concerning this. Then he says, Al-Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, has, it has been reported from him three different narrations or three different opinions concerning whether or not the khutbah or the salat is first in al-istisqa. The first opinion is that the salat is first. That the salat is first. And this is the uh, opinion of the majority. The second opinion is the opposite. That is that the khutbah is first. This is the opinion of the minority. And the third opinion, or the third narration of Imam Ahmed, is that it's permissible both ways. Yeah, and it's permissible to make the salat first, and it's also permissible to make the khutbah first. And perhaps this is really the most correct opinion, especially since there are some narrations on both sides, though perhaps the strongest of evidences is for the performance of the khutbah before the salat. In any case, the third opinion that both are permissible is a good opinion and it allows for leniency and tolerance amongst the Muslims. Those who hold the opinion that the khutbah is first, there's no harm in doing so. And those who hold the opinion that the salat is first also, there's no harm in doing so. The fourth point that the Shaykh mentions is from this hadith, we understand that when the Imam makes dua, when he supplicates in istisqa, he should face the qibla. When he makes dua, he should face the qibla. This is due to the fact that facing the qibla is one of the causes or reasons for dua to be accepted. Number five, the fifth point, he says that it is legislated in the Sharia that while the Imam is making dua in istisqa, that he should transform or turn around or turn inside out his upper garment. He should turn it inside out. Changing that physical condition as a sign of the optimism or hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will change the condition of the people that we are supplicating for. Yani that Allah would bring rain after drought. The sixth point is that the reading of Qur'an, the Qira'ah, in Salat al-Istisqa, it should be out loud. It is audible, audible reading. And this is that which is applicable to every 
salat of the voluntary prayers that are congregational prayers such as uh, the tu'id Eid al-Adha and Eid al-Fitr the khusuf the eclipse of the sun or the moon and also likewise the congregational prayer on Yawm al-Jum'ah that that prayer is recited out loud although the Jum'ah prayer is in the place of the Zohar prayer and the Zohar prayer is inaudible but the Jum'ah prayer it is recited out loud number seven from this hadith we also understand that the salat for istisqa it may be performed in the desert as in some of the narrations it said that the prophet sallallahu that he went to the musalla the musalla it means the prayer grounds not the masjid outside of the masjid so it is also proper that salat al-istisqa should be performed in the desert or outside of the city so that there will be a wide enough space for all of the people to gather, gather together at one time and also this will be a showing or a manifestation of the weakness and the inability of the people standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in submission and humility displaying their need to him alone that we are indeed in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it is a show of humility in front of him the next hadith, hadith number 148 is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu he said anna rajulan dakhala al-masjid yawm al-jum'ati min babin kana nahwa dar al-qada wal-rasul allahi sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam qa'imun yakhtub Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu said that a man entered the masjid on the day of Jumu'ah from one of the doors that was in the direction of Dar al-Qadha Dar al-Qadha it is the name which the home of Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu anhu was referred to by since after his death his, that home was sold to pay the debts that were upon him that home was sold in order to pay the debts that were upon him Therefore, it is referred to as Dar al-Qadha. That bab was near the home that had belonged to Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. And when he entered that door, Anas said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi was standing giving the khutbah. فَاسْتَقْبَلَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَائِمًا ثُمَّ قَالَ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ حلكت الأموال وانقطعت السبل فدعو الله يغثنا That man went up into the masjid and faced the messenger of Allah وسلم, standing and he said to him O messenger of Allah the wealth is being destroyed and in some of the narrations al-mawashi or al-bahahim meaning the animals, the cattle, their livestock was being destroyed due to the absence or the lack of rain that the cattle or the livestock are being destroyed and the roads have been cut off فَدْعُوا اللَّهَ يُغِثْنَا So supplicate or invoke or call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send down rain to us and in some of the narrations as reported in Al-Bukhari he said فَهَدَّمَتْ الْبُيُوتِ that even the houses were collapsing from so much rain or from the absence of rain yani from heat 
or يعني, the lack of rain. Here, Anas radiallahu anhu says, فَرَفَعَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَدَيْهِ ثُمَّ قَالَ اللَّهُمَ أَغِفْنَا اللَّهُمَ أَغِفْنَا اللَّهُمَ أَغِفْنَا Here, he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa raised his hands up. And in some of the narrations, he raised his hands up very, very high to the extent that you could see the whiteness of his armpit. Yani he was supplicating, not like we normally supplicate, but he was raising his hands up very high so that you could see underneath his armpits. And this is reported uh, in a number of narrations, including uh, in the Sahih al-Bukhari, hadith number 1029. He said that, رَفَعَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم يَدَيْهِ يَدْعُوا This is another hadith. Perhaps the Shaykh mentions it in the explanation. In any case, he said that he raised his hands and he said, Oh Allah, send down rain upon us or give us rain. Oh Allah, send down rain upon us. Oh Allah, send down rain upon us. And in some of the narrations it said that the Messenger of Allah raised his hands and so also the people along with him raised their hands. Here, Anas radiallahu anhu said, فَلَا وَاللَّهِ مَا نَرَى فِي السَّمَاءِ مِنْ صَحَابٍ وَلَا قَذَعَةٍ وَمَا بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَ سَلْعٍ مِنْ بَيْتٍ وَلَا دَارٍ Anas said, he described the situation at the time when the Prophet ﷺ began to supplicate asking Allah to send down the rain. He said, I swear by Allah, we didn't see a cloud, not even a piece of a cloud in the sky at the time when the Prophet ﷺ began to supplicate. And there was nothing between us, not a building or a house, between where we were standing in the masjid or in the place of uh, in the place where the, the, the people were standing in the masjid on Yawm Jummah, there was nothing between them and between Salah, which is a mountain that was at that time outside of Medina, but because of the expansion of the city now, it is included in the city of Medina. At that time it was considered to be outside of Medina, and he said there wasn't even a building or a house between us where we were standing in the masjid and the mountain of Salah. There was nothing between us. It was a clear view, and yet we didn't see even a cloud or a piece of cloud in the sky. قَالَ فَطَلَعَتْ مِنْ وَرَائِهِ صَحَابَةٌ مِثْلَ فَلَمَّا تَوَصَّطَتْ السَّمَاءَ انْتَشَرَتْ ثُمَّ أَمْتَرَتْ And it said that at that time there was no, no, no clouds in the sky but suddenly there appeared a big cloud in the shape of a shield, circular shaped cloud in the sky coming from behind the mountain of Salah. Coming from behind the mountain, suddenly there appeared a cloud. And when that cloud reached the middle of the sky, it began to expand or spread out and suddenly it began to rain. قال فلا والله ما رأينا الشمس سبتن Then Anas radiallahu anhu said By Allah we didn't see the sun for a whole week. Yani it rained and rained and rained and the sun didn't appear for one whole week. Then he said ثم دخل رجل من ذلك الباب في الجمعة المقبلة then a man entered that very same bad door on the following Jumu'ah, the following week, a man entered the same door 
ورسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قائم يخطب while the messenger of allah صلى الله عليه وسلم was standing giving the khutbah فاستقبله قائما فقال يا رسول الله حلكت الاموال وانقطعت السبل فدعوا الله يمسكها عنا batman stood facing the messenger of allah صلى الله عليه وسلم and he said oh messenger of allah our wealth or our cattle or livestock are being destroyed and the roads are cut off so supplicate or call on allah to hold back the rain from us yani to stop the rain this time too much rain he said anas ibn malik radiyallahu anhu said farafa rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam yadayhi thumma qala allahumma hawalayna wala anayna wala alayna then he said the messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam raised his hand again supplicating he said oh allah make the rains to go around us and not upon us yani he didn't tell him to stop the rains because the rains is something valuable it's a favor a bounty from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rather than telling or asking allah to stop the rains he asked allah to make the rains to fall around the city of medina and not upon them because they had enough rain and it was causing harm to them then he said allahumma ala al akam ala al akam wal zirab wa butun al awdiya wa manabit al shajar he said oh allah make the rains to fall on the plateaus the raised land the area that's raised up and all on uh, on the small mountains and in the valleys and in the places where trees grow yani let the rain to fall in those places where will benefit will benefit the growth of plants and crops and trees and this will be beneficial for the people and beneficial for the animals qal faqla'at wa kharajna namshi fi shams he said at that point we went out of the masjid and we were walking in the sun yani the, the rain had stopped and the sun was shining we were walking in the sun qala sharik fasaltu anas ibn malik radiyallahu anhu ahuwa ar-rajul al-awwal qala la adri one of the narrators of the hadith in the chain of the narrators he said that i asked anas ibn malik radiyallahu anhu was that man who came the second man who came and asked the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi to supplicate to stop the rain was he the same one who came the first time on the first juma asking him to supplicate for rain and anas ibn malik radiyallahu anhu said i don't know and he didn't know was he the same one or was he another person here the sheikh abdullah ibn abdurrahman hafizahullah says that the general meaning of this hadith and what we can understand from this hadith is that the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was standing in his masjid in medina al masjid an nabawi he was giving the khutbah in yawm al-jumu'ah when a man entered the masjid and faced him saying oh messenger of allah and he began to explain to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the difficulty and hardship that they were suffering due to the lack of rain due to the fact that there was no rainfall and how it was affecting their life their families their cattle and whatever he asked him to supplicate asked the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to supplicate to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove this problem to give us a solution to help us out of this difficulty because our animals our livestock are being destroyed for lack of uh, what they may eat they didn't find anything to eat because there was no rain and also the roads were cut off and the cattle or the camels that they were riding were not able to perform people were not able 
to travel and they didn't have animals to carry their goods upon. Due to the fact that the Messenger of Allah was near to Allah, yani beloved and close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that his supplication is mustajab, is answered. When he calls on Allah, Allah answered him. Due to his submission and obedience to Allah, Allah answered his supplication. For that reason, the man asked him to supplicate to Allah to grant them rain, so that the rainfall may remove their problem and end the famine and the drought. So the Prophet ﷺ raised his hands and he said, Allahumma aghithna, three times, O Allah, send down the rain. And that was from the habit or the custom or the manners of the Prophet ﷺ. When he used to supplicate, he used to supplicate three times. And when he used to teach the people something important, he used to repeat it three times to make sure that what he was saying was understood. And this is important also for us that we should take the manners of the Prophet ﷺ as an example and a model for us and especially those who are teaching children but not only children it is a method it is a good and effective method of teaching that something is repeated so that it becomes clear and that it is understood properly and likewise also it helps for memorization in spite of the fact that they didn't at that moment they didn't see even a cloud nor a fog or a mist in the sky yet immediately after the supplication of the Prophet ﷺ, they saw a cloud come from behind the mountain of Salah it was a small cloud but it began to rise and when it reached over their heads in the middle of the sky it began to expand and widen and then it began to rain and that rain continued for seven days for one whole week until on the following Jumu'ah a man entered the masjid while the Prophet ﷺ was once again standing, teaching the people, giving the khutbah, and he began to explain that the continuance of rain, that man began to say that the ongoing rain, it had begun to cause harm to the animals. And the animals were not able to go to their places, to go out where they used to graze. And it caused destruction and hardship on the people and on the land they couldn't go and come they couldn't seek their livelihood so supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to hold back the rain the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam raised his hands and he said he said words whose meaning is that oh Allah if you have decreed it in your qadr, if you have decreed it out of your wisdom that this rain continue, yani if it is your decree that the rain continue, then allow that rain to fall around us, around the city of Medina and not on us. Yani the Prophet ﷺ, he understood that whatever Allah has decreed, it is for wisdom and it is for that which is beneficial. So he said, if it is by your decree, for some wisdom that the rain continue rather than to ask Allah to stop the rain he said if it is by your decree that the rain continue then may it rain around us and not upon us so that the people may begin to go about uh, with the business of life and taking care of those things uh, their animals and their crops and other matters of livelihood and then he asked 
specifically that that rain should fall in the places where there's if somebody can let the brothers use one of their handouts uh, now, now. then he said that uh, may that rain fall in the places where it will be more beneficial yani on the mountains and the hills and the valleys and the pasture lands and the places where the, where the trees are growing and where in those places where the rain doesn't normally reach easily let the rain fall in those places so that instead of it causing harm to us it will give benefit in those places where it is more needed so the sky the rain ceased to fall over medina and the people went out of the masjid and there was no rain falling upon them the sun was shining due to the dua or the supplication of the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the shaykh abdullah hafizahullah may allah protect and preserve him says from this hadith there are a number of ahkam rules or laws that we might derive from it the first thing from this hadith that we know is that it is legislated that the khutbah should be given standing yani the, the imam or the khatib when he gives the khutbah he should give it standing and i remember about 15 years ago or 16 or 17 years ago one of our brothers who had just become a muslim he told us the story about a place he was in california he had been recently yani embraced islam and he was in a place where the imam was giving the khutbah sitting and there was a debate between the people over whether or not the imam should be standing or sitting this hadith is a clear proof and many other are clear proof that it is legislated in the sharia that the khutbah should be given while the khatib or the one who gives it is standing also in this hadith we understand that it is permissible that someone may address or speak to the khatib and it's permissible if there is a need that someone may talk to the one who is giving the khutbah and that the khatib also may talk to that person and this we discussed previously in another chapter uh, concerning the permissibility of the khatib speaking uh, and that a person may reply to him in the hadith in which a man came to the masjid and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam asked him have you prayed when you entered the masjid he said no he told him then stand up and pray two rak'ah so that hadith also is a proof that the khatib may speak to someone specifically and that that person may answer them even on yawm al-jumu'ah number 2 the second thing he says from this hadith is that it is legislated for al-istisqa that it is in the sharia that the dua of istisqa it may be done in the khutbah itself the dua of istisqa it may be done in the khutbah of jumu'ah that the khatib he may stop his khutbah and make dua for rain and this is yani the opinion of al-imam abu hanifa is that the dua of istisqa yani that istisqa is limited to supplication alone that there is no need for salat but it is limited only to supplication while the opinion of the jamhur or the majority of scholars is that there is a particular or specific salat that is also performed for istisqa while istisqa or the dua asking for rain may be done in the khutbah of jumu'ah and it may be done by making supplication alone yani it may be done along with salat it may be done in the khutbah of jumu'ah or it may be done as dua alone the people might supplicate to allah 
asking for rain alone. Number three, the third point is that of raising of the hands in supplication. Yani, that when one supplicates, it is from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to raise the hands in supplication. And this raising of the hands expresses the meaning of need that the person who is raising their hands to Allah is expressing through their physical actions their need of Allah and their expectation that He is the one who gives. That Allah who we are supplicating, He is the one who gives. And it has been agreed upon this ijma' of the scholars that raising of the hands is legislated in this place, yani in the time of istisqa. Raising of the hands, there's ijma' on this. There's no difference of opinion about raising the hands for istisqa. It is agreed upon. And in fact, there are a number of hadith which show that the raising of the hands very high is specifically legislated for istisqa and not for normal supplication. The scholars agreed that raising of the hands is legislated in istisqa, but they differed in other places besides istisqa. The scholars differed. Is the raising of the hands also legislated in other places or for other occasions? Some of them held that raising of the hands is in every condition or circumstance when someone supplicates. Yani any time that you supplicate, you should raise your hands. This is one opinion. The other opinion that some of the scholars held is that raising of the hands for supplication is legislated in those cases where it has been reported in the Sunnah that the Prophet ﷺ raised his hands when he supplicated. Yani in those places where it is reported that the Prophet ﷺ raised his hands for supplication, that's when you should raise your hands. And when it's not reported that he raised his hand in supplication, then you should not raise your hands. And an example of this is when the Imam or the Khatib makes dua in the khutbah of Jummah. When the Imam makes dua in the khutbah of Jummah, it is not legislated to raise the hand. Not for the khatib, nor for the people. There is no hadith from the Prophet ﷺ that he ever raised his hands when he supplicated in the khutbah of Jummah. Nor did the people do so. Though most of the people are doing like this, it is not from the sunnah. And this is an example of the raising of the hands that it should be done in the places where it has been reported in the sunnah and it should not be done where it is not reported. Another example of this that is commonly practiced is the raising of the hands after salat, after the congregational prayers. It is commonly practiced in the Muslim lands that after the congregational prayers, the people after making taslim, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, they immediately raise their hands and begin to supplicate. And likewise, it is not from the sunnah. There's no hadith, there's no hadith, authentic or unauthentic, that the Prophet ﷺ, when he used to supplicate, after making taslim from the obligatory prayers that he used to raise his hands. He didn't do it. He did not do it. It is not from the sunnah. So, the first opinion is that raising of the hands is in every condition of supplication. And the second opinion is that the raising of the hands should be in those cases where it's reported in the sunnah that the Prophet ﷺ raised his hands. Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani, rahimahullah, the great scholar of hadith, whose explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari is considered to be the most important book after the Sahih of al-Bukhari, its explanation Fath al-Bari by al-Hafid ibn Hajj al-Asqalani is considered to be the most important book that the Muslims have benefited from throughout the generations. Here al-Hafid rahimahullah says that in the raising of the hands uh, 
for dua in general, the raising of the hands for dua in general have been reported in many hadith. Yani, that generally for supplication, uh, raising of the hands, it is from the sunnah in general. Yani, it is a general practice that when someone calls on Allah, that they may raise their hands. Not only uh, this, he said that such hadith, yani general hadith about raising hands for supplication, has been reported by Imam al-Bukhari, al-Munzari, and al-Imam al-Nawi, rahimahumullah. All of them reported such yani, hadith in which there's the general practice of raising the hands for supplication. From this we can understand then that in general, when anyone supplicates, it is generally the practice to raise your hands. But in those cases where the Prophet ﷺ is reported to have supplicated and he didn't raise his hands, then it's not proper to raise one's hands, but it should be avoided in that case. And in the cases where it's reported that he raised his hands, then definitely you should raise your hands. And in those cases where there's no report, then raising of the hands is accepted in general for supplication. Yani, in general we raise our hands, but in those cases where it is reported the Prophet ﷺ didn't raise his hands, then we also should follow as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ That definitely you have in the Messenger of Allah the most excellent example. He is our model, he is our example. What he did is what we should also do. And he scolded the people who, even though well-meaning, opposed or contradicted his sunnah when there were three young men who came asking about the manners of the Prophet and they found that he used to fast and sometimes break fast. Not fasting every day, but sometimes fasting and sometimes not fasting. And he used to pray in the night, part of the night and sleep in the night. Yani he didn't used to pray the whole night, but he used to pray part of the night and sleep part of the night. And he also loved, yani he used to love women, he used to marry. He married and he was not calling people to abstinence from marriage, but marriage is a part of Islam. One of those people said that I will pray every night, all night. Yani I will not sleep in the night, but I will pray all night. One of them said I will fast every day, I will not break fast. And the other one said I will not marry. Yani they thought that this was a means of getting near to Allah. It was more righteous to pray all night and to fast every day and not to be occupied with women, but to be occupied with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet sallallahu when he came to know, he said, Man raghiba an sunnati falaysa minni. Whoever is not pleased with my sunnah, he is not from me. Yani his sunnah should be followed. And what he did we should do, and what he left we should leave. This is really what is loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not to go beyond that, not to fall short of it, nor to go to the extremes outside that are derived from it, is that it is one of the miracles of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and a favor and an honor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to him. That was a proof of his prophethood. It was a proof of his prophethood that his dua was answered, answered instantly. Instantly. Yani when he supplicated to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, instantly Allah answered him. It was a miracle and it was a favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it was an indication of his prophethood, the truthfulness of his prophethood. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this answering of his supplication, it was instantly responded to on both occasions when there was no rain and he asked for rain, it rained and when there was too much rain and he asked for the rain to be removed from Medina 
then the clouds began to depart from over Medina and to go to the outskirts of Medina as it continued to rain outside of Medina while not a drop of rain fell on the city of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Also number five, the Shaykh says from this hadith that doing those things that are the causes or the reasons for something to be achieved yani taking action in seeking our sustenance as well as supplicating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is no contradiction between this and a tawakkul a tawakkul reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is no contradiction between a person going out and working farming the land opening a business manufacturing goods in order to gain their sustenance there is no contradiction between that and saying that I rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the person should go out and do what is necessary in order to achieve what they are trying to do and likewise along with that they should supplicate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and rely on him this is the way of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa this is the sunnah this is the true Islam that a person should do whatever is necessary to achieve their goal while supplicating to Allah asking for his help and success and putting their trust totally in him also he said number six from this hadith we may understand that it is mustahab that it is commendable or recommended or beloved that a person should supplicate with this prophetic supplication yani the supplication that the Prophet used when he was asking for rain Allahumma aghithna Allahumma aghithna Allahumma aghithna these words they are reported from the Prophet and it is mustahab when there is a need for rain that the Imam should use the words of the Prophet in his supplication and this is a general rule that although it is permissible for us to supplicate to Allah in our own words in whatever language we speak but it is always preferable that supplication primarily should be those supplications which are given to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran and those supplications which are authentically reported from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam because the supplications from the Quran and the supplications of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam are perfect comprehensive supplications whereas our supplications are no doubt imperfect and incomplete though a person may supplicate for their needs their personal needs in their own words asking for things of the world or of the next life but the more complete and comprehensive supplications are those which are found in the Quran the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the authentic sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam number seven he said the permissibility of asking for the skies to be cleared for the clouds and to, to be removed and the rain to stop at the time when the rain is causing harm to the people or the cattle or the land and it's permissible even though rain the ghayf it is a fadl or a favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is the source of life and we should appreciate Allah's bounties and never reject any of the bounties of Allah but in the case where the rain is causing harm to the land in that case it is permissible to ask for the clouds to be removed or the sky to be cleared and here the Prophet didn't ask for the rains to be stopped but he asked that if the rains would continue that it should fall in those places where it would benefit most in the plateaus and the valleys and the places the mountains the hills and the places where there are crops or where there's growth so that that rain would be beneficial and not harmful 
Number eight, the Shaykh says also from this hadith we understand the permissibility of asking those people who we see to be of the pious or the righteous or good people, the people of good character, the people who are exhibiting their nearness to the way of the Prophet displaying and showing the signs of goodness and righteousness that it is permissible to ask such a person to supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for our needs. This asking someone of the good people to supplicate for us as the companions of the Prophet did to him, they asked him. They very well could have supplicated, but they asked someone who they saw to be better than themselves to supplicate because of his nearness to Allah and that it would be expected that his supplication is more likely to be answered than their own. This is, if it was wrong to do so, the Prophet would have corrected them. The fact that he allowed it, knowing that they could supplicate for themselves, but he allowed them to come to him to ask him to supplicate to Allah for them, it is a proof that it is allowed to ask someone to supplicate to Allah for you. Yani it's permissible not to supplicate to someone, but to ask someone to supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From those people who we see goodness in them and righteousness in them. This is called tawassul. And here the Shaykh mentions a topic which is a lengthy topic and a very important topic. And he only mentions it in a few sentences. Though there are books of hundreds of pages written about this topic and there are debates and much mis- misunderstanding the topic of at-tawassul. At-tawassul it means seeking the means of getting near to Allah in order to ask Him for our needs. Yani doing something that would be the cause or the means of getting near to Allah so that we may ask Him for what we are in need of. This is tawassul. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah says that tawassul is of three types. Two of them are permissible and the third of them is forbidden. Many of the Muslims in the world today have fallen into the mistake of the forbidden or prohibited form of tawassul. He said that tawassul is of three main types. Two of them are permissible and one of them is prohibited. The first of them, it is asking a living person who appears to be of those who are close in obedience to Allah and following the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, asking that person to supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us. Yani asking a living person of those who we see as being, of those who are near to Allah and close to Allah in obedience to Him and far away from disobedience to Allah and close to the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah and avoiding the innovations that are contrary to the way of the Prophet wasallam, asking that person to supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us. This is the first type of tawassul. It is a means of getting near to Allah in order to ask him for our needs. By asking a person who who is than ourselves to supplicate to Allah for that which we are in need of. This happened in the time of the Prophet and it also happened after the death of the Prophet that the companions used to go to those from amongst them who they felt were closer to Allah than themselves and ask them to supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for them. The second type of tawassal that is permissible is seeking to get near to Allah 
to ask him for our needs by doing righteous deeds. Yani doing al-amal al-saliha, doing righteous deeds to get nearer to Allah in order to ask Allah for our needs. This is a type of tawassul and it is a very famous type of tawassul and it is well known to us all and it has been demonstrated in the hadith of the people who were in the cave. They were closed in the cave and each of them tried to think of something, some righteous deed that they did in order that they might ask Allah that if they had did that purely for his sake alone that perhaps he would open the cave a little. And each of them mentioned what they did. That hadith is an authentic hadith and is well known especially to those who have been reading Riyadh al-Saliheen. It is one of the famous hadith in that book. Seeking to get near to Allah to ask him for our needs by doing righteous deeds. If someone wants to supplicate to Allah then they may go and pray two rakah which is a righteous deed and then ask Allah that if I have done this purely for your sake alone, then please grant me whatever or protect me from whatever or whatever you want to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. Or giving charity to those who are needy, or fasting, or any good deed that we do, whether reading Quran or otherwise, doing good deeds and then asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala based on those deeds to answer our supplications. The third type of tawassul, and it is the prohibited type, it is tawassul or seeking to get near to Allah due to the rank or the status or the honor of some person from amongst the creatures, from amongst human beings. Yani asking Allah for something, oh Allah give me this, due to the status or the station of so and so with you. Somebody who they think is near to Allah of amongst, from amongst the saints or those who they consider to be close to Allah like the Shaykh of the Tariqah or so and so, they said, Oh Allah, he is near to you. By his status or station or honor with you, I ask you Allah to give me something. This type of tawassul is not confirmed in the Quran nor in the Sunnah and it is a prohibited type of tawassul. It is forbidden that anyone should ask Allah for something due to their thinking that that person has a high rank in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether they are living or dead. This type of tawassal is not permissible and it is one of the means that leads to shirk. It is one of the means that leads to shirk. Concerning this, concerning this type of tawassal, uh, it has been mentioned It has been mentioned uh, in the handout, there's the hadith which is reported in Bukhari, hadith number 1010. Uh, the hadith of Anas anhu, that whenever drought threatened them, that Umar ibn al-Khattab anhu, used to ask Al-Abbas, Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib, the uncle of the Prophet وسلم, to invoke rain or to invoke Allah for rain. Yani, Umar ibn al-Khattab whenever there was a need for rain, a shortage of rain, after the death of the Prophet 
he used to go to Al-Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet wasallam, and ask him to supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he grant them rain. And there's a note here, also in the handout, which is of really great importance. It is that we should know that... Stop just for a moment for the Adhan. Inshallah, after the Adhan, just make this final point and then we'll close. This last hadith, the hadith uh, concerning the practice of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu is hadith reported in Sahih al-Bukhari, hadith number 1010 <coughs> that whenever drought threatened them, Umar al-Khattab used to ask al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib radiallahu anhu to invoke Allah for rain. Umar, he used to say, to he, Umar used to say, Allahumma inna kunna natawassalu ilayka bi nabiyyina sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fatasqeena. He said, O oh Allah, after the death of the Prophet sallallahu Umar said, O oh Allah, inna kunna natawassalu ilayka bi nabiyyina. We used to seek, make tawassal to you ask, by asking the Prophet sallallahu to supplicate to you. And you used to cause it to rain. Wa inna نَتَوَصَّلُوا إِلَيْكَ بِعَمِّي نَبِيِّنَا فَاسْقِينَا قَالَ فَيُسْقَوْنَا He said, now we are making tawassal by asking the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ to supplicate to you so cause it to rain or grant us rain and it used to rain. This hadith is very important because it makes us to know that tawassal even with the Prophet ﷺ, it is in his lifetime, but not after his death. And if it was proper to make tawassal by asking anyone to supplicate or to be a go-between or to intercede for us from amongst the righteous, the saints or whoever, from amongst the dead, if it were permissible to do so, then Umar ibn al-Khattab, he wouldn't have went to al-Abbas. He would have went to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ, which was there in Medina, and asked tawassal by the, by the Prophet ﷺ. No one is closer to Allah than him. But the fact that Umar didn't go to the Prophet ﷺ grave and ask him to pray to Allah, intercede for us, is a proof that after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, there is no tawassal by the Prophet ﷺ after his death. But it is in his lifetime. And tawassal or going to someone asking them to supplicate to Allah for us is with the living, not with the dead. If it were permissible to do so with the dead, then we would go to the Messenger of Allah. No one is, is higher than him. No one is nearer to Allah than him. But the fact that those who are closest to the Prophet, his companions and the most knowledgeable of them, such as Umar al-Khattab and the most beloved and closest of them, the fact that he left the preferable one, the Prophet ﷺ, and went to one who was less than him, because he knew that asking someone to supplicate is asking those amongst the living and not those amongst the dead. This is very important because many people have deviated on this and they are going to the grave asking those who they consider to be saints or whatever to pray or to intercede for them with Allah when that supplication is better that they supplicate for themselves because the dead cannot hear them nor can they help them in any way. Uh, I don't know. Assalamu alaikum. Is it, uh, is it Sahih Hadith that a Sahaba asks a group of 
who sent children to supplicate to Allah for them, asking forgiveness for them, while he stood by until they finished, and then he responded, Ameen. I don't know the hadith about a sahaba, a companion of the Prophet, who asked children to supplicate for him, uh, to ask for forgiveness for him, while he stood, and then he responded saying, Ameen. I don't know the hadith. Allah if it is authentic or not. Uh, is there any question related to the topic? Because there's a question here not related to the topic. Is there any comment or question? Naam, fadl Is it permissible to raise your hands? The Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, which is clear in the books of Hadith, is that after the congregational prayer, what is legislated? Now, what is legislated in the Sunnah after the congregational prayer is that a person should say Allahu Akbar, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. Then the person may make dhikr as the Prophet ﷺ used to do, saying Subhanallah, Subhanallah, Subhanallah 33 times, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah 33 times, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar 34 times, or saying Allahu Akbar 33 times and making the last one, La ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika la, lahul mulk, wa lahu ala kulli shayin kareem. These dhikr and what is similar to it is what is well known in the authentic books of hadith, it is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and though he used to do it for at least 10 years, at least 10 years, while he was in Medina leading the congregational prayers five times a day for 10 years, and there's no hadith, there's no record that he used to raise his hands when he supplicated after the congregational prayers. The sunnah is to make zikr or dua after the congregational prayer without raising your hands. In those words that he used to say. If after that, someone wants to supplicate, additionally, after they perform that which is the sunnah, occasionally, then there's no harm to do so in raising their hands. But as for immediately after the prayer, it is not from the sunnah, it is contrary to the sunnah. For a person to finish the salat and raise their hands supplicating. This is contradictory to the clear, authentic sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that is known from him for ten years in the city of Medina, until his death. He never did what people are doing today. We should follow his sunnah and give preference to his sunnah over everything else. If on occasion, someone, after making, after doing that which is sunnah, if they wanted to raise their hands and supplicate Allah, asking for something personally for themselves, there's no harm to do it. But as for making it as a regular practice, after every prayer doing so, it is innovation. There's no doubt about it, it is bid'ah. It is bid'ah, and Allah doesn't accept it. The Prophet ﷺ said, Man amrina." Whoever invents something new in this matter of ours, in this Islam of ours, that was not from the Prophet and not in his time, whoever does so, it will be rejected. Whoever brings something new in the deen of Allah, it will be rejected. Allah will not accept it, even though you might think that it is good. Even though you may feel that it is, it is of those actions which are good, supplicating is good, raising the hands in supplication is good, but it is contrary to the sunnah in this place. It is contrary to the sunnah at this time, on this occasion. Therefore, it should be avoided. If on occasion a person did so, there is no harm in it. But it shouldn't be a regular practice. Whoever makes it as a regular practice, then they have made it as part of the deen. They have made it, made it as part of the salat, attaching it to the salat. And this is innovation. And innovation is more serious than sin. It is more serious than sin. 
Because the person who steals or lies or commits fornication, they know that it's wrong. And they might repent because they know they have done wrong. But the person who does innovation thinks that what they are doing is good and they will never repent from it. They will never repent from it. And Allah will reject their deeds. And of those people who will be pushed away from the Hawd on Yawm Qiyamah, the fountain of the Prophet ﷺ, when the people would be thirsty, and whoever drank from his fountain, they would never be thirsty again, the people who would be pushed away from it are the people who made innovation after his passing. When the Prophet ﷺ said, those are my people, my people, they said, no, you don't know what they did after you. They innovated after you. They made, they brought new things into the religion. So it should be avoided. It should be avoided. It shouldn't be practiced. But as some of the scholars said, if on occasion a person did it for a need, supplicating for their self, after doing that which is sunnah, inshallah there is no harm in doing so. And the question from the sister which is not related to the topic is, Raw Abu Dawood wa ghayruhu wa sahahu ba'duhum. Can you please shed light on, on the authenticity of Salat al-Tasbih? If it is weak, if it is weak, still someone wants to perform it, what is the ruling about it? Could you please explain briefly how to mention some aspects of Aqidah in the lecture discussing innovations? <laughs> These are two far, far removed questions. Uh, in terms, Salat al-Tasbih, Salat al-Tasbih is the Salat in which a person uh, performs the prayer the normal prayer that you normally pray in every rakah saying Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar 75 times in each rakah in four rakah 300 times yani the person after reciting in the standing position would say Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar 15 times and in ruku 10 times and standing up from ruku 10 times and in sajda 10 times and sitting between two prostrations 10 times and in sajda 10 times and sitting up after the second prostration ten times, making seventy-five times of this tasbih. In the second rakah, likewise, seventy-five times in the third and fourth rakah, making three hundred times. This is what is referred to as salat al-tasbih, and it has been declared by some of the scholars to be unauthentic, and some of them considered it to be authentic. Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani mentioned concerning a, a research concerning this particular practice, and he said that there is no. Yani the hadith, the narrations of hadith concerning it are all weak, they are unauthentic. But because there are so many, because there are so many, then you get the feeling that in fact it has an origin in the sunnah. And for this reason, many of the scholars did in fact practice it. And some of them considered it to be authentic. That hadith, it, it, has, it has been reported by Abu Dawood and others, Ibn Majah, it's reported uh, in the Sahih Ibn Khuzaym and other books. And uh, it is basically a weak, yani the hadith concerning a weak, but in the science of hadith, some of the scholars came to know that if the doubt that we have concerning a hadith due to a break in the chain or someone who had a weak memory or other defects in the hadith, if there are other supporting narrations, especially if there are many, then most of the scholars say that that hadith will be considered as hasan li that means that it is considered as a good hadith due to supporting evidences. So some of the scholars said that due to supporting evidences, it is authentic and from amongst them is Al-Hafid ibn Hajj al-Asqalani of the earlier scholars and of the latest scholars uh, Shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani rahimahullah also considered that hadith to be raised up to the degree of acceptability uh, Al-Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal rahimahullah it is reported from him that he said that there is no authentic narration concerning Salat al-Tasbih yani that he didn't accept any of the narrations concerning it as being authentic so therefore there is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars some of those who said that it is 
uh, acceptable and some said that it's not acceptable and many of the scholars practice it if somebody did it there's no harm in it inshallah and whoever didn't do it because they didn't consider it to be authentic then also يعني, it is acceptable it is reported in some of the hadith that the Prophet some said that a person should perform this salat al-tasbih once in a day or once in a week or once in a month or once in a year or at least once in a lifetime Allah knows best subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika shalwan la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayhi وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا عَسْعَسْ